The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about minorities in technology and marketing. Joining us is Calvin Brown, who is a technology architect at Cairo Consulting. Calvin is a tech founder with experience managing global teams and multi-million dollar software and multi-million dollar software deliverables. His software architecture background, coding capabilities, and keen understanding of the entire process of development help inform his mind, but also help him and his organization develop a competitive approach to developing apps for marketers. Yesterday, Calvin and I talked about his experience as a black entrepreneur, and today we're going to talk about the importance of creating a space specifically for minorities in tech. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Calvin Brown, technology architect at Cairo Consulting. Calvin, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you as our guest. I appreciate you reaching out, and honestly, I appreciate you for multiple reasons. One, the subject that you've brought up is one that I feel like a lot of people want to talk about and honestly aren't really sure how to talk about. And it's how to create space for minorities in marketing. And so most everybody that reaches out to me to be a guest on the show wants to talk about DSPs or software or branding. And you actually have a real world topic and the real world things that are happening Today happens to be the one-year anniversary of the unfortunate and tragic murder of George Floyd. So I feel like today's the best day to talk about minorities and your experience as a black man in technology. Tell me about why is it important for marketers specifically to think about creating space for minorities in tech and in marketing? Yeah, well, thanks for the question. And it is unfortunate that today has to be that day, right? The one-year anniversary of a person's death. But sometimes these opportunities present themselves to have a conversation about these things, even though it's not easy. From a marketer's perspective, you have to understand that I've been doing this in tech since 96, so it's about 26 years, and it's still a surprise. It's like, oh, wow, this guy's in tech. Like, this is some form of new thing that's happening, having been around that period of time. And so when it comes to marketing and what things look like, marketing kind of shapes the view of the way that people see products and the way people see industries. I would say now, if you think of the tech industry, because so much work is outsourced now, you think India, you think Silicon Valley, those types of things. But there is an enormous black population. I myself have a group of, I think it's 11 to 1200 people now. I haven't checked lately, but 
called Black Men Coding, which just kind of codifies a group of individuals just to say, hey, we're here and we have all these amazing talents and there's just no space right now for that to even exist because you have all of these kind of disparate individuals who may work for companies, but there's no groups or there's no organizations that support that. So marketers creating space for that to even make it a reality would be similar to anything else that you see. It didn't exist until you saw it on TV, you saw it in ads, things like that. So it helps to shape the dynamics and it helps to bring more balance to things. There's just different things that different cultures bring in the industry. So a couple of reactions to what you're saying. You know, my thought when creating this podcast was it's about marketing. It's not about race. It's not about gender. It's not about anything other than learning the practice of a specific skill. And a few people have raised the issue that you need to have more specifically gender equality on the show. When they go to the website and they look at who are the speakers, they say, there's not enough women. You're only talking to white men. And my reaction to that has been, I don't look at the people's profiles before I invite them to be guests on the show. The only way that I knew you were a black man filling out the application for a speaking opportunity was because of the topics that you had suggested. Now, from my perspective, that feels like the most fair way to not be racist or sexist or have anything other than the subject matter up front. But I realize that that can be exclusionary to people that don't have the same circumstances and opportunities. Talk to me about your experience as a black man working in technology. Did you feel like you weren't presented with the same opportunities that other people were? Like, why is it that there needs to be specific spaces created for minorities as opposed to people that are minorities just inhabiting the same spaces that are available to everyone? I'm not a woe is me type of person. I don't really sit around and think about all of the things that are denied to me. But I do realize that in some conversations, I remember being younger and asked on one of my first really big contract with probably the largest telecom provider, definitely landline telecom provider at the time. I was literally asked, what was I going to do with all the money? And my rebuttal is always a joke. I was like, well, I didn't know that I got power any cheaper or whatever. Like, I don't get any yeah. cheaper than anybody else. So pay my bills. Right. <laughs> so those kind of things woke me up to the fact that it has nothing to do with me and the way that I'm perceiving the world. It's more of when you're walking into it, it's kind of the possibilities. It's the difference between, I don't know, would you buy a house that was already painted pink? Do you see the possibilities already as opposed to saying, hey, you know what? I would prefer it already be something that I understand. That's kind of how it is to walk in the space is that there are definitely opportunities to navigate. It's just that it's viewed differently. And with that, because people haven't encountered it before, you're kind of like the first. Black people are continuously doing things for the very first time. This is 2021. That's crazy that they're occupying certain occupations, right? In the White House and things like that, that are just happening for the first time in a lifetime. So I don't think that it's just people's perception because you're like, wow, there's never been a Black person to do this one thing before. But me having that conversation doesn't mean that we're any less talented about it. It's just that it's a hard conversation. And I don't believe that other people care about your issues as much. And so you have to say, hey, you know what? It's kind of strange for me to have to go to a client site the day after a Black man was murdered, pretty much on TV at this point, because it's everywhere, right? Online. So it's a little strange. I have to talk to my staff continuously about that. How do people feel? This is something that people deal with. There's no space to have those conversations. It's kind of like go on doing what you're doing. So I'm not sure that your 
app that's going to be a plugin for TikTok is as interesting the same day that this happens. And this may be someone's relative. So it's just a interesting reality to navigate, but it is not the full reality. So coming on your show, definitely we're still one of the best that ever to do it in tech. It's just that you just bringing the light to the fact that you have to do it and carry that burden. It's just something most people never even consider. There's two issues, I think, that are happening here. One, there is real world social injustice. And I would be blind not to state and realize that's happening. And two, there is the influx of social media that allows these movements to gain steam and notoriety, rightfully so, in the vast majority of cases. And this goes back to my last question. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. You were able to be successful, and you're where you are today because you're talented. And there's sort of this thought of like, well, you need a separate space for minorities to make sure that they're cared for, as opposed to just being an inclusive environment. Talk to me about the balance between those two things, sort of separate spaces and quotas and, and all of like ways that we kind of divide everyone up to make sure we're all cared for, as opposed to just one place where we can all live together in marketing and technology. Absolutely. So that one place used to, and when I say used to, it means that in my parents' lifetime, my dad was in his late 60s and he integrated his high school. So that one space, just school. I pay tons of taxes, right? So I pay for schools and my kids don't even go to those schools, right? So that space that was created for that in my father's lifetime, who's still alive, wasn't available to everybody. So I think that's why that conversation is not the fruits of it haven't happened yet because it's literally been in my dad's lifetime. Like I talked to my dad yesterday. So the burdens of that, my dad carries. But for me, and I always think about it, I always say that everybody isn't as tough. Everybody isn't as resilient. Everybody can't take the things that I take. And that's just life in general it has nothing to do with 
race and the space that's created for it. It's just that think about it. If you're having a conversation with your wife, if you have a conversation and a lot of times they use the words like, are you listening to me? <laughs> Do you hear me? Things like that. They just want to be seen in that space, right? It can make the feel you're no less married just because you're not listening, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine existing in a country where you're there, right? You're no less American, but it's the same as someone else not listening, right? So people just don't have the same reactions to that. So yes, grit and guts and grind and all of that and getting really lucky helps a lot. I will never think that I was just that smart to figure it all out. It's the timing. I was happened to be born at the right time. I started at the beginning of the dot-com boom, right? It was just so many things that lined up. But what happens to the kid that's born two years later or 13 years earlier, that opportunity didn't exist. So I have to create that opportunity. And so having the ability to create that, I'm the first generation to do that in an industry that's now 50 years old. Let's talk a little bit about the tech industry specifically. Do you feel like there is racial stereotypes or that the tech industry is specifically disadvantageous to minorities? No, it's actually one of the greatest spaces, which is one of the reasons that it's one of the greatest spaces for minorities to function. Simply because if you were to go on any of the sites like Upwork or any of those yeah, sites, Upwork right, or Fiverr, you have no idea who's on the other end. There's an amazing opportunity there to work and to hone your skills and to make a great living. So you can kind of be behind the veil a little bit. So I think this is a white hot opportunity in life, really, to have free information online, to be able to get and acquire a skill with the same computer that everybody uses every day. You don't even need a great computer to do a lot of the stuff that we do daily. So I do think that this is an amazing time and it's nothing necessarily advantageous. But when you go and ask for $500 million for something, they're like, okay, great. Well, who have you done this with before? So that's where it becomes this moment where it's like, now I have to partner with someone else who's done it before. And usually in that space, it's usually older white guys, because even though my idea is an amazing idea and I'm putting the money for it, right. And all of this stuff, it's like, eh, but do you have the know-how and that requires somebody that's been around for a long time and there hasn't been a lot of older black role models because of the systemic racism that has slowed most industries? Or just occupying that space, right? So any VCs type stuff, anything like that, it's just those partnerships. You almost have to be married to someone who's already been there. And that's unfair fortunate in that way simply because, I mean, there are tons of black VCs now, right? But I don't want money's money. I don't necessarily go to black VCs to get money for a new product. But just occupying that space, being in San Francisco for those pitch meetings, it's all white kids. White kids, not men. They're like 22 yeah. having these conversations with me. My yeah. daughter is 18. She just graduated, right? She's four years away from asking for a lot of money from a VC in San Francisco. Or having the money to give. They're literally who's doing the pitches. And so somebody was invested. Think about the dot-com phase. They were giving kids 10 and $15 million for the weirdest ideas. What percentage of that, of those Black ideas made it to be funded at that level? It's just a thing that I'm taking note of. I'm just saying something about it. It's not even in a mean or egregious kind of way. I'm just like, hey, this happens. This is part of the experience. But look at all the other stuff we've done along the way. And hey, we're still moving forward. But just take note of the fact. It's just to be heard. It's just like your wife saying, hey, are you listening? There's two things that I think are unfair. You mentioned, oh, well, everybody can do it with the same laptop. Not everybody can get a laptop. Okay. And this is not a black or white thing. Like it's a socioeconomic issue. And I actually think that that's where the tech industry is sort of at the top at its leadership, where, you know, whether it's 
the Google Chromebook or other programs that are giving people access to technology. Like, I think that that skews and hurts minorities and socioeconomically depressed communities is that, yeah, anybody with a laptop can create a million dollar business. All you need is a laptop. You just need that first 500 bucks. Well, 500 bucks means something that's a lot different to my kids in the suburbs of San Francisco than it means to somebody that's living in you know, rural Alabama or, or wherever it might be where times are a little tougher. I think the other thing that is unfair is the lack of, I don't want to say role models, because there are lots of great role models in the black community, in, in all sorts of minority communities, but the lack of examples to follow. Yeah, representation is a great way to put it. Thank you. Like, it's easy for me to go look at, you know, hey, one of my dad's friends probably worked in technology and I can go ask him a question and he ended up being a VC or, you know, whatever it is. I could turn the corner from where I lived and find somebody who's a good example of being successful in the technology industry. That isn't always the case everywhere in the world. So how do we solve those two problems? That's really what the group that I created is about, is about, again, using that word space. There's a space where people can accidentally find someone who does whatever it is that they do. I don't know what all of the guys in my group do. Some do some really weird technology, some do gaming, things that we don't have an interest in as a company that are really cool. But I try to pair them together because sometimes you just don't know that there's another person out there doing it. So it's almost like I take on the responsibility of doing the work to say, hey, find someone who you may have something in common with who also shares the same technological interest that you have. So I think that's really important. I do want to add that the reason that I believe I am successful is because I had a relative who worked in healthcare, who has an IT consulting company, who I'm actually making CEO of this new venture that I'm raising capital for. And just being able to see that, the light bulb went off like, oh, I see how this works. So it is super important, but how many kids will get that opportunity? And he wasn't even trying to teach me programming because I wasn't even interested in programming. I thought I wanted to fix computers. I'm from, you mentioned Alabama. I'm from Mississippi. So coming from there, I didn't know that people programmed computers. I just knew that physically existed and hey, I could probably fix it. It seemed interesting to me. So seeing someone who was doing software, having that representation was really important. So much so that I was like, I for sure know it's possible. And I at least know someone who I can ask a couple questions. So I think that I'm trying to recreate that same space, but obviously I can't talk to 10,000 people every day. So I just have the community there. We do free training for those who are interested. And the laptop part, I mean, socioeconomics is a different thing. I think you can find poor people of all segments around the world. And I think that people who really want to, they'll take that initial step. And then it's my job to create spaces where you can find that support after you get that laptop that, you know, you might not be able to afford. Maybe you rent one. What is it? Malcolm Gladwell's The Outliers is listening to it. And Bill Gates rented time on his school's computer. So he didn't initially have one at his home because of the vast expense, even though his family is pretty wealthy. He didn't have one, but being able to use rented time at his school sparked the ideas in him. So, it, you know, that first step is critical. I can't necessarily speak to that because that's just not my area with the socioeconomic politics. But after you get that first step, I think that there needs to be freely available space for you to be able to pursue your ideas and dreams. So we talked a little bit about the mentoring space that you've created. Tell us a little bit more about how to get access to it, where that people are interested in it, can find it. Tell us about the space. So we have a website for it. It's called blackmencode.tech is the URL. 
You can find it on meetup.com, which is where it initially started. It's uh, www.meetup.com forward slash black men coding. And essentially it's free to join. You just join. We have a topic every Wednesday. I usually do the presentation for it. I let the group pick a topic. Hey, what do you want to see programming wise? If you want to know how to make a quick and dirty app, you want to know how to put stuff in a database, no code apps, whatever it is that people are interested in. I actually research it or have someone on my team research it, represent it, record the video, edit it, and put it back out for them to learn from. So this is almost like a YouTube university tailored to the specific needs of the community. So I think this is really cool. It's quite a bit of work. It's like doing a live TV show every week. It's a lot of work because there are bloopers and all of that that have to be edited out. But I think that it's really cool. And we have all kinds of people in there. It's not just black people. And we have all kinds of people in there. But it's definitely that support system after you've taken the first step to say, hey, I'm interested. Let me figure out what it is that I want to do. Or let me just see someone doing it, see if I'm even interested. It's an admirable thing that you're doing. Again, it's meetup.com slash black men coding. For anybody that's interested in coding, specifically black community minorities, I think it's a great thing that you're doing, Calvin. And we're going to bring you back again tomorrow, talk a little bit about your core business. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Calvin Brown, technology architect at Cairo Consulting for joining us. In the third part of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Calvin and I are going to discuss bringing your application dream into reality. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Calvin, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is I am Calvin Brown. That's I-A-M-C-A-L-V-I-N-B-R-O-W-N. Or you can visit his website, which is IamCalvinBrown.com. He's also got an ebook that's the five steps to hiring an app developer, which you can find at IamCalvinBrown.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You could subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S. S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.